gentlemen to the all nations football podcast with myself joseph and my very good friend Owen. hello there everyone we're going to kick start this week's pod by speaking a little bit about the fa cup final uh it's the fa cup final commenced just this weekend passed uh in a gargantuan clash that saw london rivals chelsea and arsenal meet at an empty wembley stadium i should say um, obviously, the first time this has ever been seen in the long history of the FA Cup final. Obviously, it was very odd to spectate being sat from home. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game, O? Yes, it was a really interesting FA Cup final. It was a shame that fans weren't allowed because sometimes FA Cup finals can be a bit of a dull affair. And this one was really, really good. Chelsea getting the early goal obviously meant Arsenal had to come out and attack. But um, I thought both teams played pretty well. I Arsenal obviously went on and won the FA Cup, I think, probably to the surprise of many fans. Arsenal definitely deserve credit because they got a hell of a lot of stick when we first started recording this podcast. And they've really come out of their shell and they've ended the season very well. And David Luiz is an FA Cup final winner after many people thinking he should never play for Arsenal again. Yeah, he's had a massive turnaround, hasn't he? Um... Again, full credit to him. Uh, you know, obviously the mentality to come back from that Man City performance in particular. And obviously he had a couple of other dodgy performances. I think he gave away a penalty, didn't he, at the last game of the season. So, yeah, credit to him as well and credit to the whole Arsenal team. It was a really interesting and entertaining epic Cup final uh, to watch, I must admit. I liked a lot of what I've seen from, from both teams. I think, obviously, Pulisic going off made a huge difference to how Chelsea uh, attacked. And I don't think it can be understated how good that boy is, to be honest with you. I, I was looking at the highlights earlier again today. Um, and just the way he takes the ball, always on the half turn, always looking to get at defenders. Um, his close control is unbelievable. Um, and I think you've seen that with his first goal as well. And yeah, both teams played really well. Um, either team could have deserved it in the, on the end. Um, obviously, it went Arsenal's way. The ref's decision as well. I think the second yellow card for uh, Kovacic was it. I yeah, think that was, that was dreadful. That was a dreadful, dreadful. decision. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it still baffles me how those sort of things happen, particularly in such high-profile matches like that. And you kind of felt as soon as that happened that the game had gone away from Chelsea. But that's not to take anything away from Arsenal. Like I said, they they, they played really well. They they dug in when they needed to. And Aubameyang, I have to say, that second goal, even I jumped out of my seat and screamed in my living room when it went in because it was just like, I think I messaged you, didn't I? I was like, that's, that's a great FA Cup final goal. I think that's going to be right up there. Yeah, no, Aubameyang had a really good game and he just showed his importance to us. No, I said like quite a few weeks ago on this pod that um, Arsenal uh, are maybe not a top 10 Premier League side without him. And that was maybe a little bit harsh, but he does 
really make them click and they probably don't win the FA Cup without him. Um, and they really, they, they have to do everything they possibly can to keep hold of him, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, I didn't really see him as sort of like a captain or leadership material, but um, he seems to be the perfect choice for Arsenal. He does seem to have those leadership qualities and um, you see how, he, how he, he is with all the other Arsenal players in the team and they obviously all look up to him and you're right, he's the star man. And I think what Arsenal need to consider, particularly now in these negotiations, because um, I believe that, I think that's the problem, isn't it? He's not hasn't signed a new contract yet. Is that if you lose Aubameyang, how much do you have to pay to replace a player like that? Um, because he could go and play and start in any team in the league, um, I, I believe, and possibly in the world. His goal record in Germany and in England since he's been here speaks volumes. And I think, uh, yeah, if Arsenal are going to kick on next season, they've got European football now as well, which didn't look like that was on the cards a couple of months ago. I think if they're going to get anywhere, then they definitely need to retain his services and they, and they need to start building the team around him while they've still got him. Because I think he's, he's 32 years of age, isn't he? So, you know, there's not many good years left in him. So get the most out of it while you can. Yeah, I think Abanyan signs a new contract and he's with Arsenal for pretty much until he, Arsenal decides he's not good enough anymore. So yeah, so it's a big. He's got a big decision to make, but I think Arsenal for a big check at him. Then he may agree to it because, as you say, he's thirty-two years old. If you give him a three-year contract, a good um, weekly wage, he'll probably accept it. I. He, he seems like he's pretty happy at Arsenal. You say, how can they replace him? They can't replace him. That like Arsenal wouldn't be able to bring in someone of similar quality if he was to leave. So he's in. Re- He's irreplaceable in that kind of um, situation, really. Nurekatata has to keep hold of him. I think the interest, an interesting story that's come up today as well is about Willian potentially going to Arsenal. I suppose that's indicative. I think Chelsea want to keep hold of him, but I'm not sure if Willian will necessarily get the football at Chelsea. And I think, you know, we, we, we've been quite um, complimentary of Frank Lampard uh, on, on this pod, and, and rightfully so. Um, obviously, he'll be bitterly disappointed that he, he lost the FA Cup final. But you can see the players that he's brought through this season, um, Mason Mount and Pulisic in particular. Um, and, you know, of course, he's added Ziyech and Werner. And we believe that, you know, Havertz is coming in. So all of these attacking players coming in, you, you know, Willian probably is going to get pushed out of the peck mode. But I think he'd be a hell of a sign-in for Arsenal or possibly any of the other top six teams on a, on a free transfer. Yeah, I think um, Willian is a really good player. It's weird because Arsenal and Wenger would get rid of players when they got into their 30s. They now seem to be the dumping ground for players in their 30s who are no longer wanted by other top sides. But yeah, I agree. I think Willian would be good signing. In the same way, I actually think um, David Luiz signing for um, another year's contract was a good signing for Arsenal. One thing, actually, talking about Chelsea, and you, you talk there about their big signings, you talk about all their attacking options for next season that they're bringing in. What, for me, is a worry, and we're showing again in this FA Cup game, and it, again, why I slightly criticised Frank Lampard last week, I think that Chelsea, defensively, are pretty poor still, and they, they, I mean, they really need to sign a left-back in the summer. Uh, Marcus Alonso, I thought, had a pretty poor um, final, and Aspia Creta is just far too slow now. Yeah, I just think generally they need to look at their defence and work out a way in which they stop conceding so many silly goals. I mean, they gave um, Bellion the run of Wembley for their second goal. 
yeah, the 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 part when he he caught Azpilicueta for pace, didn't he? I think Aubameyang would do most defenders in the league for pace, so you can forgive Azpilicueta for that. But I think you are right. I, I, it, it does need a revamp. I don't think I don't think Kurt Zuma's top brass. You know, he's definitely not Chelsea standard. Um, Rudiger very inconsistent, can be very good on his day, but again, very wishy-washy sort of performances. Alonso at left back getting on a little bit, very inconsistent. So, yeah, I do think they need to look at that. They've got uh, the boy Reese James playing right back. You know, he's going to be one for the future. But, yeah, definitely, I think they, they do need to sort of address that area. And it has been an area of concern for Chelsea for quite a few years. And, you know, obviously, David Luiz was in that position be, before these lads and he's moved on to Arsenal. So, I suppose it's, a, it's an area for both of these teams to be to be looking at as well. But I, I definitely think you're right. I think Chelsea have also suffered from not having uh, Kante fully fit in the midfield because you know how much work he does protecting the back four as well. Um, he, he is literally the best in the world at that job. So when they get those type of players, you know, fit again, I don't know. I, I think I think it's looking rosy for both of those teams anyway. But um, more so Chelsea. And I said that going into the final, and I agree with you. I am slightly surprised Arsenal won it. Um, but they were just up for it on the day. And I, I remember... Uh, the FA Cup final a few years ago uh, when Chelsea steamrolled the league uh, and then they played Arsenal and I thought, oh, well, they, you know, they're going to batter him and Arsenal and turned up and did a job on him. So um, it is Arsenal's Cup. It's what they're famous for. They are the most successful team in, in that competition. Um, and yeah, I, I, you've got to congratulate Mikel Arteta. He's done a, a, a superb job since he's been in there. I was probably a little bit uh, disingenuous the other week when I spoke about him and, 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 and what he'd be able to bring to our Arsenal. Uh, team and I could still be proven right, but it's still look, it's looking rosy, and he's got his first trophy as a manager. So congratulations! Yeah, I did kind of stand up for him a wee bit as well, and a big shout out to Kieran Tierney, who I think had a lot of injuries when he originally signed with Arsenal, and he's proven to be a really important player for them since um, coming back after the lockdown. Picking him because he's Scottish, I generally think he has been a big influence in that defence. In the uh, and probably having David Luiz's experience next to him has been a big help for him. There's been a few Arsenal players, and Tierney's definitely one of them. They work hard and they've dug their socks in. One of them, the, the most impressive player, I think, has been Sabios. I think he got man in the match in the FA Cup final. But it, since uh, since they've come back from lockdown, uh, he looks a completely different player. Um, obviously he's on loan from Real Madrid I don't know whether they, they've tied that up permanently or whatever but if Arsenal can keep hold of him I think they've got one of the best central midfielders in the league there potentially um, and Tierney yeah he's really solid at left back uh, the kids Nketiah and Saka coming in there as well there's a lot to look forward to and, and he's getting rid of the players like Socrates and maybe some of the other you know the deadwood that's around the club as well so it'll be interesting to see who he can pull in to replace those players as well We've discussed enough of the FA Cup. There was another big final on this week uh, involving the teams from the Championship. It was Fulham and Brentford also playing at an MD Wembley Stadium uh, for the first time in a Championship playoff final history. Again, I've, uh, I've been to a Championship playoff final. I've suffered heartbreak at a Championship playoff final. Um, but I know what the atmosphere is like leading up to the game and, and what it's like at Wembley at these games. You know, 85,000 people. Uh, it, it's amazing. I won't go as far as saying it's the home of football like some of the commentators would have you think. But, uh, no, playoff final, always an immense occasion. Atmosphere, absolutely electric. And so those teams in the championship, as it does for every other team, uh, makes a huge difference. 
But anyway, enough of the guff. Let's talk about the football. Fulham obviously came out on top. What was your thoughts on the game, mate? Yeah, um, Fulham Tim did come out on top. Um, I'll be honest with you and say I thought it was a pretty poor match. I thought Brentford's form in the last few weeks of the season just went into the playoffs. And they just they haven't really got going for the last like three weeks. And that was the same in the final. They they never really tested Fulham. Fulham didn't actually really need to play that well. Fulham did control the match. They probably should have won it in 90 minutes. Overall, Fulham deserved to go up. They were the better team. Brentford have just really gone into their shell. And yeah, well done to um well done to Fulham and a big shout to Job um Brian. Um who scored the two goals, a beautiful free kick, although I think uh, David Rea will have some questions to be asked of him. Yes, I kind of agree with you, mate, uh, in some aspects. I think the game in itself was a very poor one, I'd have to agree, considering the two teams that were on display. During the 90 minutes, I thought we would see a lot better than what we did, considering Brentford have played the way they have all season and the way Fulham have played all season. Brentford kind of reminded me a little bit of Leeds, how you've seen them in years gone by, being able to hunt the Lutons and the Birminghams of the league 4-5-0. and five nil. But then when it came to the big games and the games that matter, leading up to the last couple of games of the season, they just lacked the substance and sort of abandoned the principles which they played with all throughout the season, which I think was very disappointing to see. I don't think Fulham were necessarily deserving of going up more than Brentford over the course of the season. I wouldn't agree with you there. I think Brentford played better football and it would have been nice to see them in the Premier League. I think they would have played, like I say, better football. As we discussed on the pod a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure whether Brentford's style would be translate, um, transferable, I should say, to the Premier League simply because playing that open against the top teams, you know, you're asking for a hiding. The, 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 in extra time, the game sort of sparked to life. The free kick, at a first glance, seemed like an absolute worldie. And then, as you say, I think when you go back and have a look at it, you have to really ask David Ryer some questions there. And for the second goal as well, uh, again, you would never think the boy was playing left back the way he, you know, he, he does the one-two, switches his feet and finishes on his weaker foot as well. So. Yeah, credit to Joe Bryan, credit to Fulham. They managed to get back. Um, unlucky Brentford. I don't think this will be the last time we see them uh, in this sort of position or, or pushing for, for league promotion again. I expect them to come again strong again next season. Whether they'll be re- able to retain uh, the likes of Ollie Watkins will be interesting to see the players who've had a big impact this season. Yeah, well done, Fulham. And I think the biggest credit has to be given to Scott Parker for guiding them back to the the Prem in his first full season in, uh, in full management. We, we've commended Frank Lampard for having a decent season up to Derby before going to Chelsea. How much praise does Scott Parker deserve for this? Yeah, I agree. I think Scott Parker's had a terrific season with Fulham. As we said off air, Scott Parker had a better season with Fulham than Frank Lampard had with Derby and Frank Lampard got the Chelsea job. So that um, speaks volumes. But I think Scott Parker needs to stay with Fulham and I think if they stick with him and they don't make silly signings like they did last time, I think Scott Parker can keep them in the Premier League as well. I think um, Scott Parker will then go on and be a top man during England. Um, he seems to have all the qualities. He's a very well-spoken manager and you'd imagine he's very educated on the game as well and he comes across to his um, players very well and 
yeah, I think I think he just seems to be a very good motivator, and Fulham have got right behind her. When when he came into Fulham, just when they got relegated, they ended up winning three of the like last games of the season. So he did. He made an impact straight straight away. Although Fulham were a bit um, on off this season, he's got them promoted, and he deserves credit, especially keep going on but especially like when they played Cardiff City in the second leg they did so well to get a two-goal lead and then they conceded so um, so early and then they they showed their bottle by scoring straight away Cardiff scored again and to be honest with you I thought Cardiff would get an extra goal and go through in that match Fulham just stood firm and they're an expansive team but they showed other qualities in the match against Cardiff and I think this is what will prove to be what keeps Fulham up next season is they can play this lovely expansive football bit. They can also defend and they can change their tactics with something they couldn't do in their last um, season in the Premier League. The, the last time they came up, Fulham were commended for playing really expansive, uh, very entertaining football. But like you said, it didn't translate. It, it wasn't applicable in the Premier League. They were getting taken apart. And I, I don't necessarily think they're good enough to go up and stay there. I I, I would expect Fulham and West Brom to struggle quite a bit next season. I think Leeds will probably do the better out of the three. I think that's widely um, widely thought anyway, that the, the Leeds will do the, the better out of the three that have gone up. I think it'll be interesting to see if Fulham do manage to sign. A lot of the players, um, and like Anoma, for example, who plays for Fulham now, uh, Scott Parker has known him since he trained him in the Tottenham Academy when he was 15. And he's sort of relied on players that he knows and he's familiar with. And I think maybe that plays into being able to motivate the players. If they know him really well, you know, they're willing to, willing to run through brick walls for him. But that's the sort of stuff he can play off. But in the Premier League, you need that and you need more, as, as we've seen. And it'll be interesting. But I think he deserves immense credit for getting them back up in his first season because we see very experienced managers going down to the Championship and managers from all over the world now, you know, from Portugal and Spain come in with good reputation and they can't even crack this. So, um, yeah, he needs to be commended massively for that. Before we move away from the championship, we'll talk briefly now about um, just some of the teams that came down. We won't linger on it, but obviously Eddie Howe leaving Bournemouth. Um, I think we should maybe speak a little bit about that. We've obviously commended Bournemouth massively for uh, for the last couple of weeks. Um, how they how they were in the Premier League over the last five years, how they've represented themselves. And we've spoken very highly about Eddie Howe in terms of how he's basically been the face of this and how he, he managed to make that happen. Sad, Very sad day for them to, for, and for him, of course, to be walking away. He was a player and coach there. I think he spent more than half of his life at the club. So I don't think it was a decision he would have taken lightly. What, what, was, your, what was your reaction when you, when you heard that news? Uh, I mean, I was pretty certain as soon as they went down, Eddie Howe was away. Um, so I wasn't surprised in the slightest. Whispers within the media and on like media outlets that I read and listen to that he would be away um, once the season finished. So I wasn't surprised. But I'm completely in agreement that he's done a fantastic job at Bournemouth and his massive boots to fill and probably impossible boots to fill considering the financial restraints at the club currently. And I don't know. I would go as far as saying he's he's almost like a Ferguson like Ferguson is to United, Eddie Howe is to Bournemouth like pretty much, isn't he, in terms of what he achieved. Yeah, no, definitely. What what he achieved at Bournemouth was phenomenal. He's 
they almost went out of the Football League. He took them to the Premier League. He took them to competing well in the Premier League. And he brought in some group sign-ins. He brought in players who, who Bournemouth fans would never dreamed of would ever play for Bournemouth. The kind of quality that Bournemouth were playing at times during the Premier League would have been the stuff of dreams for Bournemouth fans. And I really don't mean any disrespect when I say that because on um, social media, I've been getting a bit of stick for what I've been saying about Bournemouth recently. And I do like Bournemouth as a club and I do respect them, but they are a very small football team. And so for what Eddie Howe has done, it's been absolutely phenomenal. But I think it's going to be impossible for someone to come in and bring them back to the Premier League because of the size of club they are. And I think they will look back at the time, Eddie Howe's time at Bournemouth and see, see that as the greatest time in their history. I'm assuming that these, uh, these comments have come out in relation to um, what Jamie O'Hara had to say about um, Steven Gerrard should probably take the Bournemouth job. I mean, I wouldn't like to go Alan McCoy's, don't you? Um, so I'm not. But obviously, Steven Gerrard should not take the Bournemouth job. And I know that Steven Gerrard won't listen to me, but I also know that he will not be listening to the Bulleriki manager in terms of what he should do in terms of his next job. So, fuck you, Jamie O'Hara. How can a manager who manages a team in Essex tell us who are big and small in Scottish football? That's, That's a very fair comment. I didn't even realise he managed Bulleriki. That's amazing. Uh, let's be fair, Jamie O'Hara, he's not the most credible character in football anyway, is he? I, think I mean, I, I, think, I think if you're going to look for respectable opinions on football, you do not go to someone who was on Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, you retired early because you were pisshead or something. I'm, I'm pretty adamant it was something along those lines. Saying Bournemouth are a bigger club than Rangers is ridiculous. Um, I don't think Steven Gerrard would echo that sentiment either there. So I don't think Rangers fans need to worry too much at all. Um, but yeah, I, sorry, I sorry, sorry, sorry. Just before we do go on, I do want to say um, to Bournemouth fans that we are not having a dig at their club. We we do genuinely think what they've done is is very good, but you shouldn't be comparing yourselves to a team who's won a European trophy and fifty four league titles. Yeah, that's a very fair comment to make as well. And I don't think Bournemouth fans would, would see that as being a as being disrespectful at all. Um, anyway, moving on. Whilst we're on the subject of Scottish football and Scottish clubs, we might as well do the Scottish Weekly. Bring in the sound, though, in. It's Griffiths again. He's scored again! Sensational! Lightning strikes twice in no time at all. And Lee Griffiths has written himself into Scottish football folklore. So now let's have a bit of reaction to last weekend's uh, opening fixtures. Um, my my team, the Dons, Aberdeen, unfortunate opening weekend defeat uh, to the Gers. Very disappointed with that. Um, I'll start by talking a little bit about that, Owen, and, and the results, and then maybe you can give me a, your lowdown on, on, on what you thought of the other teams. So um, Yeah, of course, go on. Aberdeen and Rangers uh, were the first game on uh, this weekend. Uh, half past 12, it was on, nice and early. I love a midday kickoff. Um, of course, no fans in attendance, which was obviously a shame again to see, but understandable. And yeah, it was it was a very poor game. Uh, unfortunately, it was it did not like the world. It did not put the world alight. Rangers scored what I would say uh, was a half decent goal. 
it was well constructed back to front, but I think Aberdeen were trying to play, I should say we were trying to play a, a very high line. And just, yeah, it, the, it was just awful defending and very flat performance from both teams. I don't think any, I don't think uh, any, any Rangers fans would have come away from there being over the moon with what they saw. Uh, but certainly just getting the three points in the bag um, against bodies, you know, one of the arguably their, their toughest away games of the season uh, was a good way for them to start, start the season. Dundee United, uh, they came back, obviously, first, first game back in the big time. Finished 1-1 with St. Johnson. St. Johnson scored a beautiful volley, which me and Owen have had some debate over being uh, goal of the week. Um, but yeah, check that out on YouTube, BBC, whatever you've got to go and do. Don't know whether you should be promoting anybody else, but that's, the, that's where I find my goals. Hibbs and Kilmarnock. I'll let you go on to that one in a second. Very good win for Hibbs there, 2-1. Uh, St. Mirren beat Livingston, 1-0. Um, and then on Sunday, Celtic gave an absolute battering to Hamilton. Hamilton Academical, 5-1 it was in that game. What was your, what was your thoughts on the opening weekend, mate? Were you um, sufficed with what you saw? Yeah, uh, just before I say anything else, was County beat Mobile on Monday night as well. I do apologise for, for missing those out. No, no, that's fine. Um, so what do we think of the opening week? First off, both old firms, both, both sides of the old firm won on the opening week of the season. Um, I expected Celtic to destroy Hamilton, and that's exactly what happened. I thought Rangers Aberdeen wasn't. I agree. I didn't think much of the Rangers Aberdeen match. One thing why I thought that Rangers would probably come out on top. I know we said Aberdeen would win on our predictions, but the one reason why I thought Rangers would maybe come up on top in that match is Rangers and Celtic were both able to have like proper pre-seasons where they were able to travel away and play teams in different countries. Um, obviously, no other clubs in Scotland could do that due to the price and, um, that that cost to do. So, yeah, so Rangers had about as close to a proper pre-season as a side could, can have. And they just, they looked a fitter, except for Morelos, who looked a two-stone overweight. But minus Morelos, I thought Rangers looked at it and they looked... He got slated on the punditry, didn't he, for looking a bit... Looking a bit yeah. sick around the way. Yeah, Morelos, looked, Morelos for me looked um, overweight and just not very good. But overall, yeah, I think Rangers looked pretty decent. Aberdeen didn't put out much of a fight and Aberdeen will have to improve on that performance. And I think on another day, Rangers probably could have won that game by a few goals. Also, just on the topic of Rangers, they signed uh, Kamara Roof in the, in, the, in the week. And I was slightly surprised to see he was at Anderlecht and not still Leeds, to be honest. I, was I the one who told you about that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I feel like it's been so, um, in some minutes. So I think he only played the one season. I think it was only one I think season. he only played half his season. I think he only signed in January, didn't he? No, he can't have done. But anyway, yeah, you only had the one season in um, Anderlecht. I forget that their season was cut short in Belgium. So, yeah, so no, that's an interesting signing. I still think Rangers have to try and get Morellas away before the close of the transfer window because he clearly does not want to be there anymore. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I make of that. I think Aberdeen need to start improving um, and quickly. What did you make of the other game then? Yeah, so it was my first week. To be honest with you, I was really impressed by the standards of the goals. I could always say I, I watched the Aberdeen and Rangers game in depth. Um, obviously, the Dons being my team for the season. Um, obviously, I was disappointed with the standard of the football being played, but then it's the first game back. As you said, people have had different, different pre-seasons, different fitness levels. Without taking into account 
I suppose it's not the end of the world for Aberdeen, but then they've got a difficult game now on Saturday against St. Johnson away. So you could be looking at, you know, if you don't win that one as well, you're already six points off the pace. Dundee and St. Johnson, again, well, all I can really do is comment on the goals. Um, Dundee obviously got off to a good start. Um, weren't able to keep it together. St. Johnson, the volley was fantastic. Um, I've got to be fair. And there was a red card in that game as well, wasn't there, for St. Johnson? There was, um, and it was... Um... It wasn't um, a red card with any debate. The boy, the boy just takes him out. It's one of those just really like ugly challenges. Lazy, yeah, lazy, ugly lazy challenge. and ugly. Maybe one of those challenges you expect to see. Um, sorry, maybe one of those challenges you you expect to see. Um, it was too booking, but the second one was just lazy. And yeah, Michael O'Hanlon. The problem was the problem was in this game was Michael O'Hanlon who who actually played for Rangers for a time. He just went round this game kicking people for some reason. He just didn't. He didn't look in the mood to want to play football. He looked in the mood to want to kick players. Um, so um, I'm sure because he was sent off just before half time. I'm sure that St. John's St. Johnston's manager Callum Davidson would have taken more for half time had he not got himself sent off. That was a bit of a shame. In in general, though, I thought Dundee United played quite well for a side. We haven't really signed many players after coming up from the championship. No, I thought they looked pretty decent. So I think I think both teams would be reasonably happy with that point. Yeah, and it, again, it's opening game of the season, isn't it? So, you know, you have to take into consideration what's been going on before these all of these kickoffs. Like I said, the fitness levels and the other things that we just discussed. Um, again, right, Hibbs and Kilmarnock. I did see this a little bit more in depth, um, the highlights that is. I've got to be fair that it is absolutely kamikaze goalkeeping from uh, the Kilmarnock goalkeeper uh, for the first goal. Um, if I was if I was one of the Kitty defenders, I'd be having a fucking stern word with him um, at the very least for that because it was just it was just needless. Um, I don't even think the, the ball through to um, who's the boy who plays up front for Hibs who scored Boyle is uh, it Martin Boyle Boyle yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even. The ball he was fed wasn't even a very good pass, but the defender doesn't end up challenging him because the keeper is steamrolling out of the goal. It's just an odd one. Not taking anything away from Boyle, though, he still had a bit of work to do and, and found the net. Second goal, he took very well. I think the keeper could have done better. I'm not, I'm not sure you agree so much, do you? But I think from the angle, you have to back the keeper there over the striker because. You know, he's put it across the keeper down to his right-hand side. And I just think the keeper should have done better for both of the goals. But Hibs will take it. And I suppose you're over the moon with that result, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm very happy with that result. Um, It was a bit disappointing that Hibs kind of went into their shelf in the second half. I think they should have went went and pushed on and tried to get a third and a fourth. Because I I think Hibs, yeah, I think it was a good, solid start. There was some good... Impressive performances. They had a young boy called Josh Doig making his senior debut. Many people at Queen's Park, uh, he was on loan at Queen's Park last season in Scottish League Two. And many people um, compared his performances for Queen's Park to Andy Robinson's performances when he was at the club. So that's high praise indeed. Hibs have a young uh, new boy who's just come in in the centre of midfield, who's like a defence midfielder, Gorgic. And that's what he missed last season was a bit of bite in the centre of the midfield. Um, Jordan, it was 
yeah, they, they had fight and they defended really well. The only goal that they conceded was an absolute screamer from Chris Burke. Although I think there are question marks over the goalkeeping and the wall no. for the goal. That, that free kick was spectacular. I forgot to mention that when I did the, the first run through of the fixtures. I said about the St. Johnson body, and that's definitely worth watching, but Chris Burke essentially turns into Cristiano Ronaldo for, for 10 seconds. Um, and does a very, it's an odd technique, isn't it? It's not quite the Ronaldo technique, but it's almost like he's taking a rugby conversion. He's got his, his back up, he's leaning backwards. And he just rifles it and it keeps rising into the top corner of the net. I thought it was a superb goal. I don't think the keeper can do much about it, to be honest. It's just that if, he's put, if he puts an extra man in the wall, I've seen it about 75 times. If he puts an extra man in the wall, um, he can move along a wee bit. I mean, maybe he's then able to tip it, over, tip it wide. But yeah, I guess it's in the top corner, so it's not completely a mistake. If David Hay. David De Gea concedes that Roy Keane, I think, still had an absolute meltdown, though. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But then that's Roy Keane, isn't it? So, um, yeah. Uh, the the other game, the next game, sorry, St. Mirren and Livingston. Um, I can't actually recall this one too well, if I'm being honest, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm so, being totally um, honest. I tried no, my best. I tried my best. One, one, one key point in this game was Richard Tate scored the only goal in this game. He's a defender who they've just signed from Motherwell St. Mirren. And Richard Tate scored a diving header. That was a lovely diving header. I do remember this goal. I commended it for. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was brilliant. Good crossing, and a good like almost obviously not as good as Van Persie, but the Robin Van Persie-esque sort of diving header. Yeah, not quite as far out, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and not in a World yeah, Cup and, against Spain. And Saint Mirren, <laughs> obviously, Saint Mirren are another team that's looking just to stay in the league. So to start the league. To start the season with a win over a team that finished fifth last season is a great start for them. And I think St. Mary would be very happy with that. Um, and also, yeah, for a new signing to get a goal. Yeah, I think they, they, they deserved a victory as well. It wasn't like it was a smashing grab. They were the better team. And I think Livingston maybe will be a little bit disappointed in their um, performance. Um, and they'll need to improve um, if, they want to, if they want a fifth-place finish again or higher. Indeed, indeed. And the next game was Celtic and Hamilton Academical. Obviously, the 5-1 drubbing. I've got to say, the first two goals were almost identical. It's the same ball into the box. It doesn't get dealt with. I think Edward scored the first one and Frimpong scored the second one. But yeah, I think Hamilton have to be a bit disappointed with that defending. They're good balls into the box, but you know you, should, you can't be getting done by the same ball within, you know, in the same half. I, I just think that sort of stuff's criminal in professional football, personally. Um, Edouard, will I get the headline for a hat-trick? I don't want to say it was a hat-trick tapping because they all count and he still owns the match ball. But uh, a lot of these goals were put on a plate for Celtic. Um, I think even the last the last goal uh, is one by one of the new lads uh, placing Celtic. I can't actually remember his name either. I'm not doing very well at the moment. <laughs> Kalamala, yeah, that's it. Um, he took his goal pretty well. And like I think you said, I don't think there was any surprises there um, in this result. It's just sort of business as usual for Celtic and it kind of almost didn't look like they'd ever been away. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I said, I think I said last week Celtic would win this game by 4-5. or five. I maybe should have put a bet on it being so precise. But um, I don't want to take too much credit for that. I think everyone kind of thought that. 
one thing I would say credit Charmworth in is they had a game plan that wasn't just sit um, behind the ball and defend. They did try and come at Celtic and for stages in the first half, they got it back to 2-1 and I guess there was a little bit of thinking at one point in the match that maybe Hamilton could give Celtic a bit of a test. But yeah, no, Celtic just showed their quality and their, just their quality all over the pitch and they just ran away with it. Um, they probably could have scored more than five, if, if we're honest. It was a lucky goal for Hamilton as well, wasn't it? Mass- massive deflection. Yeah, it's got Martin takes a shot and it um, um, deflects off two Celtic defenders before going into the back of the net. And the game on the Monday then. So the one which I forgot initially, so I do apologise, particularly to Tom Mace, who's a regular listener of ours. He won't be impressed. He's our resident Ross County fan as of this season. So, yeah, they got off to a winning start. Beat Motherwell 1-0. Fantastic win. Yeah, no, it was a great win. Um, Ross County, the team of Rosses, um, they've got four goalkeepers called Ross um, and a striker called Ross. And the striker, Ross Stewart, scored a penalty in this game, um, which proved to be the only goal of the match. Um, this was a match against Motherwell's um, side who finished third last season. And this is a Ross County side who many think would be fighting relegation. So not many would have had Ross County to win. And yeah, they did really well. They got the three points and they maybe they had a couple of other chances um, in this match to win it. Mugwell had plenty of shots but couldn't hit the target. They even had a penalty in this game um, that John Lee put wide. Um, and I think their penalty miss in this match pretty much summed them up. They just could not hit the target at all. And Ross County, for me, um, were the team of the week. I think they should be very proud of their three points. And I think it's positive for them that maybe they can, they can have a decent season this year. Well, I know Tom will sort of be opening so, and I won't be. I've got them to go down. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm joking. It's a very good opening win for them. So, uh, let's have a little look now uh, at our predictions from last week ago before we make our ones for this coming week. Uh, didn't do too well, mate. We only got two out of six. Hibs and Celtic didn't let us down. Um, in hindsight, we probably would have probably would have picked Rangers over Aberdeen. But I'm going to be back in Aberdeen every single week this season, um, as I should do, being a number one fan. I think I'm obliged to do that. So let's have a little look at this week's fixtures. We'll start with Saturday's fixtures. We've got St. Johnson yep. and Aberdeen. I'm going to go for my boys again. It's a tough away fixture, but... We've got to bounce back from this last from last week's results and show a bit more guts. So yeah, I'm going to go for Aberdeen on that one. Yeah, I mean, I um I think Aberdeen really need to win this game. It's televised again, um, and they need to start picking up points. They really don't want to go two games into season with no points. If I had to give you a petition, if I was to put a bet on it, I'd probably go for a draw, though. Interesting take, interesting take. Make sure we write these ones down now as well. We were amateurs last week, guys. We didn't take down our own predictions. We have to listen back to our own podcast to find out what we said. <laughs> Hamilton versus Ross. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go for Ross County on this one. I reckon Hamilton, Hamilton is still going to be dazzled by the 5-1 drubbing. Yeah, um, football is a funny old game. Um, and I, Ross County haven't got that big win, I think, that, um, and getting team of the week. Um, then I think many people would say Ross County from what they've heard from us. But I'm going to go for Hamilton because Hamilton are at home. They've got that plastic pitch and they just have a way of 
getting random results this Hamilton side. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a Hamilton victory. Uh, next up, Livingston versus Hibs. Um, obviously, Livingston didn't start too well last week. Hibs did get the win. So, I'm going to go for an away win again. Yeah, um, I, I, Hibs have a pretty poor record up at Livingston. Livingston is another team who have a horrible plastic pitch. But I think this time, Hibs will, Hibs will get the victory. I think it would be a pretty narrow victory, though. But, yeah, I think Hibs will get the win. Uh, we've got Motherwell versus Dundee as the last fixture on Saturday. Obviously, Motherwell losing to, to Ross County. Dundee with a one all. I'm going to go for Motherwell. I'm going to go for a home win on this one. Yeah, and I'm actually going to do the same. I'm going to go for a home win, too, because... I think Dundee United still need a bit of time to settle and Motherwell are sides that I think many, include, myself included, think will get a top six finish again this season. And then we'll look at Sunday's fixtures. we got uh, the Gers versus St Mirren. Um, I think it's going to be a home win for Rangers. Yeah, not only do I think it'd be a home win, but a bit like Celtic last week, I think Rangers will win this pretty comfortably. Yeah. I'll have to agree. And then Kilmarnock versus Celtic. So that's a, that's a really interesting tie. Um, obviously, a tough away game. No fans there. I think you have to pack, you have to back Celtic, don't you? You have to pack, back Celtic, but I don't expect them to be as emphatic this weekend. Yeah, as they were last week. I'll yeah. have to agree. Okay, then. So we shall see. Hopefully, we get better than two out of six. Um, fingers crossed, eh? Yeah, fingers crossed. And... Before we finish off for the week, I think we'll go to our good news for the week, which is Harrogate Town have been promoted into the Football League. Um, again, it's sort of one of those fairy tale stories that you hear about. Uh, the manager applied for the position because he's seen an ad in the local newspaper. Yeah. Well, we usually see our managerial appointments. Um, Obviously, it's particularly if you you know you just follow the Premier League and you follow the elite clubs. Um, so, um, so, so it wasn't the ad wasn't in a local newspaper. It was in the non-league paper. So there's a there's a paper about non-league football, oh, okay. and that's where he applied. But through still pretty random. But yeah, <laughs> and he's now up to the longest when they now they're in League Two. He's the longest serving serving manager in um in, in the English Football League, having been there since 2009. Well, it's an incredible story as well, and uh, it it looks like a really tidy little club down there as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that materialises. But yeah, congratulations to Harrogate Town and their fans. I'm sure they'll uh, they'll enjoy their season in the football league, and hopefully they'll get to attend the games sooner rather than later and enjoy it properly, as as we all hope to be able to get back to doing soon. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week. Thank you very much yep. for listening. Uh, we hope the sound is fucking better than last week, and we apologise again uh, for that. And we hope to hear from you again soon. Thank you very much. And goodbye for now. Right, Harry. Did you see that ludicrous display last night? The champion is in someone in red. In it goes to one. It's a trap. What's about that? Yeah.